Blog Talk Radio. Hi there. I'm Mary Irene Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. But as we all well know, age brings its challenges, and some of them are so big they can seem insurmountable. Caring for a loved one with a debilitating disease is one of the biggest, and our guest today has some valuable information to share that is incredibly helpful. Karen Warner Schuler was a wife, a mother, a consultant, a business owner, a coach, a runner, and a friend. In other words, Karen's life was full of both business, personal, and family responsibilities. But nothing prepared her for becoming an instantaneous caregiver. She's joining us today to share her story, the insights she gained from her personal experience, and all about the book she wrote to help others who find themselves in her situation. It's incredibly important, the message you're here to share, and I am thrilled to have you on the show. So welcome, Karen. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be part of your podcast. Well, thank you. I would like to begin by stating, and we're almost at the end of the month, but November is National Caregivers Month, and you have now dedicated much of your focus and energies to sharing your experience to lighten the load for others who find themselves in a similar situation. So let's start out, if you don't mind, by you telling us about your personal story and what led you to writing the book, The Sudden Caregiver, A Roadmap for Resilient Caregiving. Well, thank you. My uh, my sad tale is that I was launched into becoming a sudden caregiver back in 2014 when my now late husband was diagnosed overnight with stage four cancer. We had no symptoms there. We did not see it coming. We had just gotten to a point in life, um, you know, this, this is particularly true for your audience, the kids are launched where, you know, the house, the mortgage is getting paid for, where our businesses are great, and we took a, a wonderful trip to Europe to celebrate just like, okay, we're going to live our lives. And within three months, my husband was diagnosed, and on the day that he was diagnosed with this out-of-the-blue um, cancer diagnosis, I became a sudden caregiver. And when I... When I became a caregiver, I'm the kind of person that likes to read a book about everything, and so I looked for books about caregiving, and there wasn't anything that was really a roadmap to help me understand what to expect. So I decided pretty early on that when I, I would watch what I did and, and incorporate things from positive psychology, which I have a master's degree in, and and just try to figure out what worked and what didn't. And then after he passed away, I sat down to begin to write my book, The Sudden Caregiver. Well, and I do want to mention, boy, that title says it all, because, I, you know, yours was particularly sudden. I can't even imagine uh, getting that diagnosis and the fact that it was such a shock. But even if it's, you know, people have been feeling kind of lousy for a while or something and you know something might be wrong, the day that the diagnosis is actually pronounced is sudden and shocking for all of us. So that title is really important. Is that why you chose it? Yes, because I felt like, and, you know, there is there are two aspects of sudden. One is my story where we went from being fully deployed, life is 
you know, we're living our best lives to we're in this now. We're in a cancer diagnosis. We need to figure out treatment and all the all of the things that caregiving requires at that moment. Uh, but there are 53 million caregivers in the United States and about 11% of the, the populations of developed countries. So there are a lot of people who are either having that story that I described or uh, in the case of some of my friends and certainly my sister caring for my elderly mother who passed away in February from COVID, uh, what we discovered was the sudden comes on at any time. So what happens in sudden caregiving is it's immediately followed by crisis. So in my case, the diagnosis, but in the case of um, some of my friends dealing with aging parents, it's mom's in the ER, and now we're going to deal with whatever that whatever goes along with that, and then we'll get to a normal, stable place, which is what my roadmap does, and then there's another crisis. So sudden is just really whoever we are moving along in our fully deployed lives and suddenly have to drop everything and care for someone. And my caregiver that the intended in my title is the, the informal uncompensated caregiver, you know, the loved one, the, the friend, the neighbor, the spouse, the sibling, the child caring for an aging parent who is, uh, who is really um, an amateur at caregiving. These are not the professional caregivers. Well, and too, I, you know, I did check out your website. Uh, and by the way, let's mention it right now. Where can people find you? Oh, okay. Thank you. So the, there's a website, thesuddencaregiver.com. And there are more important than finding me, there are free resources there that you can download. So there are a couple of roadmaps I created for my book. Those are downloadable for no charge. You just find the link and download it to your desktop. And you can actually follow along with some of the advice that I give in my book just by looking at these, these couple of roadmaps. And then there's also a tab called resources. And one thing I found during my time as a caregiver is I'd never been a caregiver before, so I had no idea what was out there in, in the form of assistance for me in the situation that I was in. And so I just collected along the way some resources, and there, there's a tab, and you can just click on the thing that might be relevant to you. There's caregiving resources. There are disease state resources like cancer or heart, um, the, those kinds of heart disease, those kinds of things. Karen, that is incredibly generous, I have to say. But the thing that hit me, too, because I <clears throat> was just looking, you know, in general at it, but like you say, there are millions upon millions upon millions of us informal caregivers in the United States alone. And this is, I think, uh, you know, it's one thing to care for a child or children growing up. You know, that's a different thing than an aging parent or a, uh, or a critically ill spouse. It's just so, so different. And not only do you have to do a lot of the physical caregiving, but, of course, the emotional caregiving on so many levels with not only the patient, you know, your loved one, but the people around your your loved one and yourself, it's just incredible. So do you have some suggestions you might be able to give us today that would bring some relief to those who are in that situation? Yes. So when I 
because people know I wrote this book, I often get calls from people, will you talk to, you know, my friend or my niece or my nephew who's dealing with a sudden caregiving situation. And the first thing I say is uh, really, like, stop for a second. So one is a conversation you have with yourself, and that is, develop the habit of being kind to yourself because sometimes as a caregiver, all we do is beat ourselves up. Why didn't I do that better? Why do I feel guilty? Why couldn't I have just put my coat on during the rainstorm and gone to the store and gotten the thing that everybody was, you know, pressing me to get for dinner uh, or the, you know, the person in my care really wanted and all of those things that we feel like in retrospect, especially if you, in, as in my case, you lose your, person in your care, you look back and go, what would have been the big deal if I, so the first is to grant yourself grace and, and level the playing field in your own mind. And then uh, I think it's very helpful. And there's research behind this that says, stop every single day, just for a little tiny bit and look over the day and say, what went well today? What am I grateful for? Mm. Or to whom am I grateful? What, what thing happened that I have gratitude for or what person came into my world and did something that I have gratitude for. And that actually, there's evidence that says that when you do that, it starts to rewire your mind so that you will begin to see the good in all the situations that are difficult or or negative or exhausting or depleting. Um, So those two things. And then the second is to look outside yourself, look in your world, uh, and and look at who can actually step in and help when you need it. Wow. And caregivers are notorious for not asking for help. And so this is a muscle that I think if you begin to exercise, you will benefit from it and it will alleviate some of the exhaustion and depletion. But there's one rule and one rule only, and that is to be selfish about who you let into that I call it the, your care leading squad. And so what I recommend doing, and I talk about this in my book, is identify those tasks that you can't do, don't want to do. For me, balancing the checkbook was never my favorite activity, um, and let alone contacting insurance companies and trying to figure out what the expenses were. But I have a friend who's amazingly loves, he's very analytical and he loves that kind of thing. And I knew he'd show up for me. So you want people on your care leading squad. Your filter would be, can they see my dirty laundry? Because literally they will. Or if I were broken down on the side of the road at midnight, could I give that person a call? Those are the people that you really want to have on your care leading squad. And then ask them for help when you need it. Oh, this is so positive and such wonderful advice. And I can understand you have a master's degree in positive psychology. Boy, in this particular uh, focus, that is so incredibly helpful because I think uh, having been there myself, you know, I was angry, exhausted, the whole range of emotions of fear, love, resentment, you know, all those kinds of things are all there at the same time. It's really hard to deal with that unless you get some help. Yes. Yes. And in my book, I talk about something called the caregiver paradox, because what happened when I first became a caregiver is I just gotten my degree. So I went to the scholarly articles on caregiving. And what I found was all the research was very much about how exhausting, how difficult, how 
fearful um, caregiving is. It's just depleting, and it's measurable. And there's all kinds of um, statistics that say caregivers are worse off than non-caregivers in a variety of ways. And yet, I also found one piece of research as I started talking to caregivers and trying to find something that was more in balance with my experience as a caregiver. Yes, it was depleting. Yes, I was afraid of running out of, you name it, food, money, toilet paper, whatever it was. And at the same time, I was also, um, we were, I was also experiencing a closeness to my husband and some of the people around him that we had never really stopped and looked at. We were just busy living. And we actually, and many caregivers will report feeling closer as a family to when, when this kind of emergency or crisis happens. And I also found things like, you know, a positive emotion like pride. I'm really proud that I got us through this or, um, or not being selfish when, you know, I had a business I was running and there, I had, a, had to choose between something that was even more critically important than dealing with my client base and just choosing always the right thing, whatever that might be. And so that's a paradox that we, we have to incorporate the fact that caregiving is all those things. We are worried. How do I handle my job? How do I, especially I happen to work for myself, but how do you go into the office when you work for someone else and then explain to them at three o'clock in the afternoon when you're supposed to be in a meeting, you've got to go to the ER because you're, you're caring for someone. So it is those things. And it is also a source of well-being, And that is a central part of my book. And I call it building up practice of resilience. And there's some, there's pathways in there, ways that you can do that. Incredibly helpful, and and it's such to have a a guide like this. Like you said, you looked for one and couldn't find one, but to have a guide like this when you are going through something like that is invaluable, Karen. It's wonderful that you took the time to write it, and especially from your perspective, because again. Positive psychology, if there's anything in the world you need, it's that at this time. I I did want to also make the point you mentioned that for your helpers, be very careful who you choose. And I will just say Mm. in my personal experience, one of my, my, and I was cared, I cared for my parents and my husband, but one of my husband's relatives is one that always liked to give free advice. Try this, do this. Well, that goes on too. Yes, yes. Uh, I And I say, so there's a couple of things with the people around us who can try our patience, especially people mean well and they intend well, and sometimes for one reason or another can't meet our standards of what we actually need. So the person mm-hmm. who calls up and says, you know, I'm, I'll be there tomorrow morning, so I would go, okay, I'm, I'll go to church tomorrow morning because it's Sunday and someone will be here and I can just pull myself away and then you get the last minute phone call oh I decide not to come and then there you are mm, so yeah so it's that screen of who really can you who really understands and gets what you're going through even if they haven't been caregivers they they can understand um, but there's also a part of it I'm you know my I attribute this to my late mother who used to always say try to be a little kinder than you feel so the people around you are also, you mentioned this, right? They're also going through this 
loss of the re- of the person right. the relationship they've been in. So uh, they may not they may not be the primary person that your go to person, but they are experiencing something and to allow that as much as you can, that they've got a relationship. It might not be your relationship with the person in your care. And how can you support that? Oh, Karen, that is lovely. (laughs) Now I feel a little bit, (laughs) because I took it as a criticism, you know, I'm not doing well enough, you're doing it wrong, you're doing, you know, but yes, try a little kindness and a little compassion, even though those, when you're stressed like this, it is a little hard to find it, which again goes back to give yourself some time, give yourself some TLC, because boy, are you going to need it. (laughs) Yes. Yes, and it is great. Do not say feel, you feel guilty. You must grant yourself grace. That is the most important thing. And there's a, there's a quote by Ralph Walder Emerson. My husband passed away in Concord, Massachusetts, and he is buried in the same cemetery as Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry Thoreau. And, uh, and there's a quote that says, you know, live each day and let it go. You did your best, right? Just you know, some things crept in, forget them as soon as you can. Tomorrow is a new day. Begin it with your own, you know, in the high spirit. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically, and I think that's a caregiver mantra that we should all keep in mind. Well, Karen, I know our listeners feel like I did. Uh, I do. (laughs) This has been an incredible conversation. I wish I lived next door to you, actually, Karen. I was thinking (laughs) I'd be be darkening your doorstep every day because your outlook is wonderful, and I know the advice in this book is just the same. Uh, So, again, you do, I just one more time, your website where people can uh, go to find out more about you and your work and pick up a copy of The Sudden Caregiver. Okay, thank you. Uh, com, And it's also, you can just go to Amazon and, and do a search on The Sudden Caregiver and my book will come up. It's in paperback and ebook. And now I'm currently recording an audio book that will be available uh, just in a, another month or so. So. Wow, that'll even be, that'll be as good as any, because, you know, sometimes you, while you're, cleaning the kitchen or doing something like that, you can listen to your words, whereas sometimes it's hard to sit down with a book in hand, at, you know, when you're going through all this. But so that's Especially wonderful. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. Well, before we have to leave, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners, Karen? Yes. Be kind to yourself in addition to being kind to other people. I can't stress that enough. And try to take a little bit, especially now when, so many people are still working from home and you may not have the privacy you once had as a caregiver. Try to find, carve out 15 to 30 minutes every single day where it's just about you. And it can be drink a cup of coffee and do the crossword puzzle or stare out a window or certainly take a walk, eat your vegetable, you know, go outside and play, eat your vegetables. Uh, get your sleep. Those are those are really the hallmarks of for ourselves not needing caregivers. 
Well, at the top of the show, I said this was important information. People would learn a lot, and boy, we did. Karen, thank you so much for your time, your thoughts, your information, and your compassion for not only other people, but for those of us who have been caregivers, too. It's been incredibly helpful. Thank you, Mary Eileen. Thank you for all the work you're doing as well. Well, I I appreciate that, and really for all you listeners out there, especially those who either find themselves in a position where you are the caregiver or you know someone who is, giving them the gift of this book, giving them uh, where you know the idea about the website, check it out, will be really one of the most loving things you can do because you can make a real difference in the lives of your loved ones. So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio. And I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.